All right, and welcome to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast special episode. I believe this is 27, Andrew told me. Uh, this is Jim Lindroth and special guest here. This is Dave Capiano again. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you tonight? Good. And uh, as this is publishable uh, tomorrow, people can uh, check out the longer interview we had with Dave here and his career with, and Dave, help me out here. It's it's uh, Vancouver, uh, a little bit of a lightning, a little bit of, uh, was it San Jose? San Jose, yep, you got it. San Jose, a little bit of a time in Boston, Providence, a little bit of time in Muskegon. Um, I was well-traveled, and uh, most of my time in Vancouver, which is a wonderful, wonderful city that uh, I miss greatly. So we're going to get right in. We are recapping here the round one Boston Bruins versus Washington Capitals. So, Dave, what's your first overall uh, impression on the Bruins here in round one? Well, I can say I'm not really surprised at the outcome, I guess, in any any series, as we know, in history, anything can happen, especially in hockey. But I just thought the Bruins had good momentum going in. I think Don Sweeney has made all the pushed a lot of the right buttons. Uh, and I think Tyler and, you know, Hall, Hall has, has made a, a big imp, imp, impact here and has completed that second line with Smith. And, and I think you've seen it last night in the final game, you know, Bergeron scores that line scored two or all three goals and, you know, was a difference maker because I think you can't really just key in on that line now. Yeah. And how big uh, from your, your career uh, memories here, how big is it to have a pretty big trade where we get Hall, we get Smith, and we also sign um, uh, Riley too. How big of a, a deal can that be for a team? The Bruins seem to be struggling a little bit. Sweeney comes out with a, a bunch of trade trades at the deadline, and it seems like a brand new team. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I think he's pushed the right buttons. I think even, not signing Chara, not signing Krug. You can go back to those two trades or non-trades or nine signings and and see that kind of he pushed the right buttons there too and spending less money. I think he's been, you know, that's one of the things I think that people don't realize. It's 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 also a business. And, and I think Sweeney has done an excellent job of signing the guys he has, you know, for kind of a bargain, you know, a bargain as far as, as Pasternak and Bergeron and Marshan has gone. So it gave him freedom up a little bit to do some of the other things he needed to do. And I think he's, he's been very good along those lines. So the Bruins start off with losing game one in overtime, and then they go on a tear to win uh, four games straight. <clears throat> what do you feel that the, I'll just go with Washington here, you know, they're uh, going on, they lose their starter. They have three starting goaltenders in this round. Um, how big of that was for Boston to have that goalie change or does it really matter? No, it definitely matters because let's face it, right? Defense, timely scoring and timely saves win, win rounds. And I think, you know, I do think Washington's best players were probably their bottom six. And you're not going to win many rounds with that happening. So uh, as far as, you know, the goaltending goes, it definitely makes a difference. I mean, obviously, you know, Rask is solid back there. Boston knows what they're going to get from him every game. So I think Washington, 
you know, they had a little bit of, of some feelings of not knowing what's going to happen in net. And I think that can bring down the confidence or maybe make them push a little too hard, but Washington's bottom six sprung Hathaway, Cherry. I mean, last night they were the best players and I, and it's just, you can't have it. Backstrom, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov. I mean, those guys would just, um, you know, not really show, show up. And I mean, Ochi, Ochi, I think was hurt. Um, but I think the other guys just, they weren't there and they weren't given the effort that the Bruins, you know, were given every single night, especially the Bruins top line. I mean, you look at that top line, they're as good defensively as they are offensively. So the Bruins seem to, uh, at least from, uh, you know, my, my couch potatoes uh, stance here watching these games, the Bruins really clogged up the neutral zone and really uh, played well defensively. And it seemed like uh, almost every power play that Washington had, they had trouble entering the zone. They just had to dump and chase. They couldn't really carry it in. Uh, was that something that you saw as a strength for Boston on the defense? Again, that's Boston's strength all the time. I mean, they, they try to, you know, and this it's it's not as easily said as, as done as meaning you you want to hold that blue line, right? I mean, it's so important to play your gaps and for those defense to hold that blue line and make them chip and chase. And, you know, with the Boston's defense ability to skate, it, it only ties into Boston's hand. So, and they did a great job of of keeping them to the outside, making them chip it in or making them turn it over which they did a number amount of times on, on the power play and, you know, special teams, you know, won that series, Boston stayed disciplined for the most part. And, um, you know, that, you know, you can't say enough about Charlie McAvoy. I mean, he's logging 25 minutes a game. I think Boston's finally letting them open, letting, letting him open up a little bit offensively. I, I I've been frustrated with his first couple of years as I think Boston kind of held him back too much. Um, but now I think he's, he's playing the way he needs to play. He's got confidence all over the ice and he's really a force on the ice now. And he's one of the best three, four, five defensemen in the NHL, in my opinion, right now. And I think he's only going to get better offensively. Yeah. I mean, he had five assists and like you said, it seemed like, uh, you know, the last half of the game, he doesn't even uh, sit on the bench. He plays an, an awful lot. He's coming to his own. What do you think about, uh, you know, Miller gets hurt and Tenorti comes up. I thought Tenorti kind of came up big for the Bruins. It was a factor last night. Yeah, I think, I think Tenorti is, he's a veteran, right? I mean, another good trade by Sweeney, um, you know, another good late signing. And I think he did, he does what he does best. He plays physical. He's played smart. He just chips pucks out never tries to do so too much doesn't force to play up the middle of the ice he's just a veteran he's smart you know a smart player and he can be physical and tough too in the playoffs so obviously uh, i hope miller's back i every, everything that guy's been through and that the hit that he got again we talked about this you know on when i was on with my podcast with you guys it's just unfortunate that the nhl continues to let these hits go by and no one's really punished the way they should be punished. Obviously he left his feet, hit him high in the head. There was just no reason for it again. And it's, it's one of those things the NHL just has to play a safety has to get better at. Let's talk a little bit more to, uh, about Bruins defense. Uh, what do you feel about, I think Cl uh, Clifton's having a, a hell of a series, small guy, but man, he's making some good plays defensively. 
Yeah, I mean, they're just so mobile back there. Clifton, Grizzlick, Charlie. Uh, I mean, you got those three are really, really mobile, and, and, and one of them's usually on the ice at all times. So it really makes a big difference having those guys back there that are quick, that can make that first outlet pass. You know, I, I, I obviously was fortunate enough to play with Keith Carney at my high school and my college. And um, I think he played 17, 18 years. And, you know, they're going back. There was no one better making that first pass out of the zone, beating one guy and making that first pass. And then you go the other way. And that's, that's so important with the Bruins and what they do. What about Mike Riley? He's got two assists. He's a plus three. Um, what do you feel? What do you think about his play in the film? I, I think he's fit right in. He hasn't, to me, stuck out at all, which is probably a good thing. Um, but I think he fits in. And, and again, he's, he's a mobile kid. He, he makes the simple plays. He's a veteran. And, I, and again, I think it was a good pickup by, by Sweeney. I think he, he did a good job of bringing in the guys he knew that could move the puck, were mobile. Um, but a guy like Miller and Tenorti, you know, have to be there, especially Miller. I think Miller is going to be essential for them to win the cup, essential. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the, the, uh, silent hero, as I was telling, uh, Andrew about this the other night, Rask, I mean, we mentioned him, he's got a, uh, you know, 941 save percent. He just does his job. And I know there's a lot of Rask haters out there and the Bruins land because of the, uh, playoffs last season and him departing. But, uh, I mean, th this guy's just a, a superstar. Well, I, I'm, I'm a RAS fan, but I'm also a Bruins defensive game fan too. And I, and I think you see that with, you know, Halak being in that, obviously the other goalie they signed, uh, you know, so I, I think it's a product of their team and the way they're coached too. But obviously Rask has a ton of experience. He, he seems to be right on right now if he can just make sure and stay focused, which I think he can because it is a contract year for him. So <laughs> I, I think that he will stay focused. And um, that's the important thing with him. Obviously he's a very talented goalie, but he does play he, and he has played in front of a good defense for a long time. Yeah, you are. You are right. So uh, let me just ask you a, a pro question here talking about like a contract year. So we know, you know, Ovechkin, like you said, Rask, uh, I mean, a whole bunch of players. Do agents get involved with players in their end of the year contract year to say, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that? Do they kind of stay out of the way or do some of them be like if they're on a bad team? Hey, don't get hurt. I'm going to get you off this team. G give us a little behind the scenes of maybe what an agent does an agent do that at all? Well, I can only say that the few agents that I've had and friends of mine that are, that are our agents, um, I don't think so. I think it's, I mean, I'm sure if someone's, you know, in their contract year and there's five games left of the season and they're on the phone with their agent and the agent says, okay, just stay healthy for the next five games. Now, do they say, oh, you know, don't go out and play hard or, you know, sometimes that's when you get hurt. So I'm sure that conversation comes up, but in general, you know, most of the agents, you know, I'm sure are telling the, they, they know the guys in good hands. And I think along with what we discussed before about some of these guys and the way they get treated, 
is because they have such a big investment in these guys. I think the teams kind of treat it with a, a silver glove sometimes. Okay. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Ovechkin. Uh, Ovechkin seemed to be uh, undisciplined. I mean, he had that out, outburst with us, uh, with the uh, Russian goalie uh, two games ago. I guess he was cussing the guy out from the bench in Russian. He was frustrated after game, uh, game four as well. What does that do to a team when you get your captain being that emotional and kind of being really, I'm assuming, negative in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you would never hear that out of Patrice, right? So um, I think it's just frustration. I think, you know, they, they won the cup. I think Ovi got a taste of winning the cup. And I think he was really frustrated. Um, and I, again, I think goaltending definitely played a, you know, played a part in the series. Um, but I think that there's just, you know, wasn't great leadership by Ovi. And I, I think that, um, you know, father time is getting to him a little bit as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, he's been going hard at it for a lot, a long time. And, you know, I, I think it showed the first game that Boston, they beat Boston. Uh, Ovi was out. He was hurt for a while. And again, he could have been hurt in the playoffs. It could have been, his leg could have been bothering him, but it just seemed like that first game, he was hitting everything in sight. And it was tough for, for Boston to match that intensity with Ovi and Wilson running around playing that physical. And I think it just seemed like it went downhill from there. I think Ovi just didn't have the, the energy level to, to keep doing what he did that first night for some reason. Do you think that uh, the Bruins responding in a disciplined way to Tom Wilson and even, even Hathaway uh, was, uh, well, obviously it was the right response, but did you think that the Bruins really, really matured very quickly by not responding to Wilson running everybody and just all the little bullshit that Hathaway likes to do and, and even Dylan, it seemed like there was a lot of extracurricular stuff that was just set there to just get underneath Boston's skin, particularly the top two lines. Yeah. I mean, that's that, you know, you could see it happening, right? I mean, you could see, I mean, that's a great question too. I mean, you can see those guys getting frustrated and, you know, there's something had to be done. And, and obviously I grew up with Peter Lavalette. He's an intense guy and I'm sure that he was pushing them intensity wise. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying he was pushing them any other way, but you know, you gotta, you know, you get smacked in the mouth a little bit and, and you, you, you kind of want to respond. And I think they were getting smacked in the mouth by losing. So their response was physical and you know, it's coming. And I think Boston, you know, they were a veteran team. And I think that Boston right now is built to win right now. And I, and I think that they did a good job just staying away from it and, you know, not, they knew that they, they can't, you know, they wanted to stay disciplined too, because the one thing that could beat you was that power play of Washington's. So if you're Laviette, uh, what are the, some of the things you're looking to it's cause I assume he's, he's, you know, he just got there. He's going to be there a while. He's a great coach. What, what is he, you think he's looking at to build next year or, or making whatever he needs to do over the summer? Well, I'm, I'm sure they're going to look at the Backstrom, Ovi, you know, Kuznetskov, those guys that they lean on have to, you know, your best players have to be your best players. Um, now that, you know, Ochi, I think was hurt. Um Ovi, I don't know if he was hurt. You know, Kudneskov just came back. Uh, 
So those are the type of things that they're going to have to look at. And obviously between the, the pipes, they have to solidify, you know, who's in net. Yeah. 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 All right. Chara Bruins fans want to, what do you think uh, is going to happen to Chara? You think he's done? Does he sign, he signed with back with Washington? I mean, he's pretty cheap for the going rates of today, I guess a million or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not even sure what his contract was. Is that what he was making this year? Yeah, I, th I think. I mean, I don't quote me, but I think he was making two with the Bruins and he settled for a million this year or maybe a little bit more, but it wasn't much more than that. And, it, and he was on a, just a one-year deal? Yeah, it's a, as far as I know, it is. Yeah, so I, I think that you'll definitely have takers for, for um, whether he goes back with Washington. I, I don't think he was great in this series. Um he, he kind of looked his age and with all respect in the world for him. Um, I still think, you know, 10, 12 minutes a night, maybe a fifth, sixth defenseman, you know, somebody that's, or someone that's has a young team rebuilding, you know, might not be a bad play to have this guy on your team for a year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I guess it was, he had a place on boss and I guess the uh, coach or management said, you know, there's, younger defenseman and char was going to be that fifth or sixth defenseman and and uh you know some of the bruins fans are pissed off about it but certainly you can see that was the right decision uh you know the bruins defense are just on fire these young so i mean there it is what about the bruins power i'm sorry well their power plays fine but particularly their their penalty kill i think they only let two or three goals the whole round go in well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you talk about it all the time. And I, I know I have this conversation with my brother um, who's, you know, I don't know if we just talked about that. He's coaching the U.S. team over in Lafayette. Um, and, uh, you know, good luck to our U.S. team. They beat Canada, a little plug in there against yeah. Danny, Danny Quinn and his group. Um, but, uh, you know, special teams and, and goaltending is two of the biggest things in the playoffs. And, and, you know, they always look at your power play percentage, your penalty kill percentage. And at the end of the day, you look in the Stanley Cup finals, I bet you you have those two teams with probably the best penalty kills, the best power plays, and the best goaltenders that are in the Stanley Cup finals. And it probably works out that way 99 out of 100 times. So, you know, Boston, you know, they're so good at pressure in the puck. Um, you know, Patrice is, you know, to take your first line center like Patrice and be able to use him, not only use him, but – him and Marshawn be so effective killing penalties and so effective scoring, showing any goals. I think um, only one team in the NHL had more shared any goals than, than Boston this year. Um, so and it's just a huge, a huge, you know, it's a huge um, benefit for the coaches to have that luxury. And, and they, they just do a great job on special teams. And, you know, even the power play, I, I think they get too cute sometimes. And I know they do. And it, if they get back to just shooting the puck a little more, I think good things happen in that power play. And, and for that first line, I mean, they're so skilled and they've been together so long. I think most of the time they get in trouble and they go a couple games without scoring is the fact that they don't shoot the puck. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, we should talk about the Bruins top line there. I mean, they're, they're just so good. And pasta finally got on board. I was getting a little frustrated with pasta, uh, as a fan, but he ended up with two goals and four assists and, 
you know, when he gets hot, he's hot, but when he's kind of skating around, floating around and he's not focused, boy, I, I mean, he's tough to watch. Sometimes he gives up the puck, uh, but it seems like it looks like he's back focused. Yes. Yeah. It's tough. You know, I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm kind of on the other half of that where you take the good with the bad, right? I mean, the, the, the guy, you know, he's a 40, 50 goal scorer. Uh, and he really, he really commits himself defensively to, I think when he's not playing well or not scoring. So, and if you do watch him most nights, he's committed to the defensive zone. And I think that's all you can ask of him. As long as he's committed to the defensive zone, the offensive stuff over the course of, you know, 20, 25 games in the playoffs, obviously will definitely be there. Brad Marchant seems to be like in his, uh, on a different planet every time he plays a game. He's just, he's just so honorary. Uh, you know, he, he fights in the corners. He usually gets the puck 90% of the time. I don't know how he does it. He's five, nine. Um, he just makes plays that are just unbelievable. Uh, what do you see uh, in the next round with Brad Marchand? Is he going to be leading this team again? Well, we don't know who they have in the next round. That's another question, right? But um, yeah. I, I think Brad is just, he, he's a special player. And he's a special player because he's instinctive. He's, got, he's a great goal scorer. He's got a great set of hands. And um, he's so quick. You know, you look at like a four foot radius on back and, you know, on, on quickness and that's on puck retrieval. That's why he's so good. And he, he, you know, he gets in, he gets out guys don't, you know, he's shifty. He, he senses when, when it's time to cut and go the other way. And I think that's what makes him so special in retrieving pucks in the power play and penalty kill, you know, just five on five play down, down low. You would think that because of his size, he wouldn't be effective, but it's almost the opposite. Because of those first three steps he has, it makes him so effective. The Bruins uh, took the most penalties, I believe, uh, in this series. And uh, there were quite a few penalties just last last two games. Uh, is that obviously something the Bruins need to fix? But w- what do you think uh, – is the issue that Bruins are taking some of these dumb penalties? Is it, is it the refs kind of calling a little bit uh, too tight or the Bruins just need to tighten up their game? I think that the, um, the refs definitely call it tight. I mean, there was a couple penalties there that would, I was just shaking my head at, but a couple slashing, you know, you know, even the pasta not going for the puck. I mean, those things happen. Um, but obviously getting going through round by round, like they're going to be playing teams that are better teams. They make it, you know, second round, third round, you know, so they need to, they need to buckle down on that and they can't, you know, there's, there's, there's penalties that seem to always get killed and there's penalties that, that seem don't to be. So, so I think they need definitely to be more disciplined going forward. So how difficult, is it as a player to you know you're in the playoffs and say the refs are gonna let the boys play a little bit things can get a little frustrated out of control frustrating um you know and then the next game they call it tight how do players and coaches adapt to 
uh, the referees and not picking on the refs, but you know, they, they've been all over the place. Well, I think the reality is, is that it's all comes down to leadership. And I think Bergeron in that locker room, you know, is such a, a strong leader that, you know, if things get going the wrong way, he's got such respect from his players that, you know, he just kind of speaks up, I'm sure, and makes sure these guys realize that, you know, you're going to lose games by taking dumb penalties. And and the fact that, you know, if a ref's a certain way during the night after first period, you, you know, you take note of it. But in general, yeah. it's the playoffs and you have to expect the unexpected and you can't, you can't get frustrated and, you know, when we played, you know, there was, you know, there was no whistles. There was, there was nothing. They were pretty much, you know, if you got two handed over the back of the, you know, back of the legs or cross checking the back of the back, I mean, you just expected it. Yep. Yep. So a couple more questions here, and then we could talk about possible round two here. So Taylor Hall, we mentioned him a little bit. It seemed like Taylor Hall, like you said, Smith, and, and Krejcic. Krejcic looks like he's finally a happy camper for the first time in a few years because he actually has somebody that uh, plays the way that he needs somebody to play to be successful. I mean, you know, he, they're just making plays uh, that are just, you know, phenomenal, first-line quality. Yeah, and, and, I mean, you go back and look at the Krejci's number when Bergeron's out, and he's a more than a point-per-game guy. You know, I mean, if, if you really look at it, so there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, obviously he's a little bit older now, but, you know, I, I had the luxury of playing with Igor Larianov. And when I did, I felt like I was, you know, playing with somebody that thought like I thought. And I think that I'm sure that Krejci makes guys around him better, but I think you need to have skilled guys around him in the NHL that are second line players. And I think Don Sweeney finally did that. Where does DeBrusque fit in? It seems like uh, DeBrusque and Coyle, uh, it seems like Coyle's taken a, a bit more of a, a checking role than he, he did when the season started. But let's, let's, let's talk about DeBrusque. Uh, he, he scored, I think, once or twice in this series. He might be finding his game again. But where does he fit in? I mean, he was a second-line guy, and then he's moved to the end. Dave, did you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay. So, you know, two, two good questions, right? One, DeBrusque, where does he fit in? Um, good question. I've been saying that for a couple of years now. I'm a, I'm a big Studnicka fan and I, and I think Studnicka is going to be a heck of a player in this league. Um, and I think Studnicka really understands the game and thinks the game really, really well. Um, but just, you know, I think one more, one more year, maybe getting a little bit stronger. The brush to me is, you know, still finding his game, I guess. I mean, I, I just don't, you know, we go, we go and we say, Oh, the played great tonight. And then you go three games where he does nothing. So I think that's an issue. And I think that, um, you know, I, I think right now being the third or fourth line guy, I think it takes a lot of pressure off him. And I think that's why you're maybe seeing a little bit more, and I think that's key for him. I think if you keep him on that fourth line, get him those minutes, and I think he's going to be effective the whole way. As far as Coyle goes, you know, I, I always, I always joke with a couple guys that um, are writers, and um, I just can't figure him out as far as, 
you know, he scores such tough goals. And then it seems like he has chance after chance on goals that he should bury and never does. Um, but he's a, he's a great defensive play. And I think that's what he's kind of, his role is with this team. And he plays two ways. He can create offense and makes good plays, a good thinking guy. Obviously love to see him finish more. Uh, but defensively, I think he does his job. And I think, I hope that people in Boston can, uh, you know, can realize that um, it, it's not for him right now. You know, it's not about putting the puck in the net. It's, it's about playing good defensive as a good defensive forward, winning faceoffs, doing all the little things to help win hockey games. Richie seems uh, like he is uh, his role. I, I think he's had a season, but I think with uh, all the trades, he's kind of uh, uh, finding his spot in the lineup. But uh, um, I like what I see of Richie. Uh, he's bringing that toughness and he's bringing, uh, I think, a little bit of an intimidating uh, intimidation factor when he goes in the boards with some of these players. What are your thoughts about Richie? Again, it's somebody you definitely need. You need a Richie and you need Miller. You need those two guys, uh, something Boston lacked uh, last year. And, you know, it's, it's, he's, he's a good five-on-five, five, you know, momentum gainer type of guy that can, that, can, that can puck possess in the offensive zone and, you know, have good shifts. You know, and I think that's another reason why the second line has been so key, not as much as just scoring – as creating momentum when you're at home and you can create momentum and then the next line comes out and then the first line comes out. I think it's huge for these guys when it creates momentum, but I think Richie knows what he is and he, and he does, it does his job. So the um, Pittsburgh and the Islanders are battling and out right now. And that's a good thing for Boston. How key is it for the Bruins to finish this series and get a little bit of time to rest? How key is that for a team? Well, it's crazy, right? Because of COVID, we, we, we forget on how crazy the year was, I'm sure, for these guys. So it's great. I mean, I think they, they played the 2-2, they play tonight, and then they'll play Wednesday, and then they'll possibly play Friday. So, I mean, Boston could be off for six, seven, eight days, which I, I don't think is great. I think if, you know, three or four days off, I think is great. Um, you know, but Boston did it before. I think that, that they've had a you know, in the past, they've they've had that long wait. But I think more importantly, they get time to, to, to digest what they did in the last series and going forward on who they're going to play. And it's up in the air to me. I don't know if Pittsburgh's more of an offensive team, which I think kind of Boston can handle playing better defense, where Island is a kind of a wild card where it just they have four lines. They all go hard. They got some good depth. They got their fourth line, which – you know, my brother Jack put together years ago and um, that Clutterbuck line is in Martin and Casey are, are just one of the best fourth lines in the league that can create a lot of havoc over a seven game series. So what goes on? I mean, the playoffs have started. So it's really battle of, of attrition, right? Staying healthy. And, uh, you know, the most healthy team usually ends up winning. What are some of the things from take us inside sort of the locker room, the training room? Uh, is routines changed at all to try to keep players um, healthier? I mean, what goes on in a playoff series? I, and, and I know I should say this, uh, we're talking with um, a few of the players that played around the time you played, they would talk about, it comes down to, are you hurt? Or are you injured? 
you know, and if you're injured, then you can't play. But if you're just hurt, you're going to play, period. So take us in what, what happens with a team when they're in a playoff series and they're trying to stay healthy. Is there anything that changes? Well, I, I you know, it's tough for me today. I mean, going back to, to the 90s and then comparing it to today, it's a, it's a whole different world with the technology they have with, you know, the, the bath and, and everything that they have on their fingertips after a game and the training staff. Um, I'm sure it's, it's a whole different ball game and, and uh, injuries probably happen and probably get, they get feel better quicker today with, with the treatments that they get. So, but I think that overall, I mean, most NHL guys, if they're, if they're hurt, they're going to play. If they're injured, they're not going to play. I think that's going to go the way it always goes. And especially in the playoffs. But again, I think more importantly is the discussion of, like you said, was who stays healthy. And I think that's a, you know, I mean, look at Washington, the first round, the goalie gets hurt and bang. I mean, they, they win game one and lose four in a row. I mean, those two things definitely correspond. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Make a prediction. Do you think it's going to be Pittsburgh or the Islanders? And I know that's a tough prediction. Yeah, I, I think that um, I think Pitt's going to pull it out in seven. And, um, you know, it could be a good thing that they, they get really, you know, banged up, you know, in the in the series for the next three games. Um, so, you know, that's a good thing. And I think that I think Boston matches up pretty good against Pitt. As they do against the Islanders, I'm a little bit up in the air because I think that, that you know, as much as I love Barzell, I think that, you know, with the matchups that they would have against him with Bergeron, I think that they could pretty do a pretty good job of shutting him down, even though Barzell's had some great games against Boston this year. So, you know, I'm up in the air, but I, I think Pitt could pull it out in seven. And I, and I definitely think the way Boston's playing, if they stay healthy and get Miller back, that they could um, they could beat Pitt in that next round, but again, you know, like we talked about, injuries have a huge key, you know, huge key in in the in the playoffs. Oh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. So the Bruins, uh, they seem to be like the, things are clicking for them. They've got the, the 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 confidence. Does anything change in their preparation to the next round as far as practice, tape that they're watching, anything, or is it just stay? with what you guys are doing? Well, I think Pittsburgh kind of had two teams this year. If Pittsburgh's winning the, the second half of the year, the last 30 games, I think Pitt had the best record in the NHL or one of the top three in the NHL. And Boston played them a number of times this year. So I think they know their opponents by this point. But in the same token, it's who's coming in with more confidence and who's who's playing, uh, whose goaltender is going gonna, is gonna to win, you know, make the timely saves. And that's what it comes down to. I mean – can talk about so many different things, but last night, key example, Boston getting outplayed, outshot 40 to 18, and, you know, they win 3-1. Rass made two, three key saves, and it deflates Washington. They finally get chances. They get in there. It deflates them. Boston comes right back and scores on, you know, a couple of goals that Bergeron from the slot there. Usually don't see an NHL goalie get beat from there. So, you know, it really comes down to the timely saves and, and those, and the goaltending, you know, being spectacular at times. And we, we've seen it in the, in the, in the Vegas series, my gosh, that flurry, that first couple games and, 
you know, it's um, that team is just whatever team it is. The confidence they have is is in their goaltending. And most of Washington goals, I believe, are off a of deflection, so they're not really Rask's fault. So Rask is really playing well. So what do you do as as a pro player? Do you talk to the goalie at this point? Or you? Just, I know goalies are weird; they have their own things. Do you just leave the goalies alone when they're hot? They're they're moving along, or you know, does anybody talk to them? It seems like they're just these nomad people. You just leave them alone, let them do their thing. When I was in Vancouver, obviously we, we had, um, Troy Gamble and, um, Troy was, um, Kirk McLean, obviously, but, but Troy was his backup and, and Troy was a good friend of mine. And, and I could joke with Troy all the time on the ice, off the ice, as far as Kirk would go, you really said nothing to him. So it depends on, you know, who it is and it depends on the relationship who have it have with them. I don't think Rask is too talkative of a guy on the ice. Doesn't look like it, but most of the time, most of the goalies, you kind of leave them alone. Uh, I'm sure here and there you run into goalies that maybe could have been a forward or a defenseman, but you know, but like you said, I mean, they're, they're, they, um, they run their own way and you just let them do their thing. Yeah. So it is true that uh, the goalies are strange people. Would you agree with that general comment? I, I don't know if it's strange as much as we like, we all have our um, tendencies of how we get dressed. We put our left foot skate on first. We put our right skate on second. We, you know, we all have these tendencies, but I think goalies are just more over the top with everything. So I, if you call that strange, maybe, but they're just a little bit over the top with all their, what they do. Yeah, I just I look at Holpe and I'm just like I, I wouldn't even talk to the guy. He just looks yeah. like he's not there. But all right, so Nick, uh, one last question, Dave, and we'll we'll close this up here today. So the Bruins have only you know uh, with the new division or conference this year, um, are we looking at if the Bruins move past the second round or whoever moves past the second round, it's going to be a different game because teams have not played each other past the second round. Yeah, definitely. I think at that point you, you, you tend to, to look at so much more film, which the availability of film today is like a hundred times more than, I mean, they have iPads on the bench. So, you know, I think that's a huge advantage for all the teams. Um, and, and you look at even what Boston did in a series. I mean, Boston changed their power play within the series that got pasta going. They moved them from the, you know, from his left hash to the right hash and she scored, you know, a, basically scored two goals from that spot. So, you know, those adjustments are being made and they're going to continue to be made. So I don't think it's a huge surprise on who you're playing or how you're playing. I think again, in-game adjustments are, are huge for the, the coaching staff and, and Boston made that one change and, and it really helped them to, to change the momentum of the series. So now that it, it, it sounds like the Bruins are going to be almost at full capacity for round two, uh, North, uh, at least in America, they're going to start filling the stadiums, but in Canada, they, you know, still trying to get the COVID vaccinations going. So it, it appears there's no crowd. How, how big does home ice advantage and crowd support uh, help with a team? Or it's does huge. It? It's huge. And, and for Boston, you know, for any team, but now Boston, obviously, who has a, a great building and a loud building to go from no fans to even 25% capacity was, was um, you could hear them, you know, loudly. 
now to go to 100% after these after most people been sitting home for a year and a half, you yeah. know they're going to be excited, you know they're going to be super loud and I think it's going to be a it's going to be a real advantage to that home team for that extra game. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I think we'll wrap it up here and we'll uh, we'd love to have you back maybe during the second round or uh, at the end of the second round, if you're willing to, this has uh, been great. Like I said, Andrew and I talk about this stuff, but uh, we're just two fans talking about it. It's great to get a, uh, a pro's perspective here and also to get a couple tips and stories here. Well, I, I, I not a problem. Anytime I'm here, uh, you guys just shoot a text out to me and I'm, uh, I'm ready to go. So I, I enjoy, um, I enjoy it. And um, so you had some great questions. All right. Well, hang on one sec. We'll say goodbye off here, but I'll just say we'll uh, end it here at the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. Uh, I believe this is episode 27, special edition with Dave 